So uh, welcome, folks, uh, to all the Internal Life members joining us. Thank you for joining us. I'm joined by Dr. Mark Foreman, uh, the author of several great books that you should uh, look at in the Internal Psychology and Integral Psychotherapy field. Uh, but today we're not here to talk about uh, integral uh, psychotherapy or psychology in particular. Instead, we're talking about um, this term of art called intellectual dark web. Uh, you may have seen the New York Times article that had come out uh, recently about this, uh, a group of sort of counter, is in some ways countercultural uh, intellectuals uh, that characterize the new millennium, and um, we're gonna we're gonna chat about what's happening there, and and then sort of unpack it with an integral viewpoint. We will be stopping at a hard stop within an hour, so we're barely gonna scratch the surface here, just just enough to kind of get the conversation rolling. But we think it's interesting, and so um, let me let me uh, turn this over to Mark to tee up um, his thoughts on it and to introduce IDW as he sees it, and I'll weigh in from there, and then we'll we'll get started. Great, and uh, pleasure to be here with you, Rob. Thank you for being here. Yeah, so to give folks a little bit of uh, context, you and I have been uh, exchanging and noticing each other's tweets on Twitter and I think following some of the, the same uh, threads and themes in the news and, and in the commentariat about what's happening socially, politically, culturally, uh, particularly here in the US. And I said to you, Rob, I said, geez, it seems like we're really um, sinking in on some similar feelings about things. And then at that point, you had said to me, Mark, yeah, and I've been thinking about this term IDW or the intellectual dark web and been thinking about having some chats and dialogues about that. And so it I think just naturally came out that you and I might have a chat uh, about the IDW and, and its relationship to integral. And so uh, to give people a little bit of background, um, the term IDW stands for intellectual dark web. And there was a um, opinion writer, columnist for the New York Times, Barry Weiss, who uh, wrote an article earlier this month talking about the figures in the intellectual dark web and the kind of arguments and sort of cultural ground that they're uh, taking up. And for folks to follow along, this is people like Jordan Peterson, Sam Harris, uh, Brett Weinstein, who was involved in, they had uh, something of a kind of controversial set of events at Evergreen University. Um, this is also his brother, Eric Weinstein. Uh, it includes folks like Ayan Hirsi Ali, who comments on uh, Islam, um, Majid Nawaz, uh, probably includes folks like uh, Americans, John McCorder and Glenn Lowry. And what these folks have in common is they're all taking against the grain sort of stances on what we might call some of the green progressive cultural issues of the time in particular. And it's not that everybody in the intellectual dark web has similar politics. Some of them are conservative, uh, some of them are liberal. Some of the conservative folks also include Ben Shapiro, who hosts a podcast, and Dave Rubin, who hosts, I think, a podcast and, and uh, on YouTube. Rather, they're sort of call, all calling out some of these similar cultural issues and they're dialoguing with one another about issues that have been sort of too hot to touch for some time and that have become even more hot after the election of Trump and the issues that Trump, I think, really presences in terms of gender and then in terms of things like immigration and race um, and whether he's using those uh, as a wedge in, in the American culture. And so these folks from the intellectual dark web, quote unquote, are really approaching these issues and talking about them heads on and uh, really risking to a certain extent uh, their credibility 
and risking uh, quite a bit of blowback um, from both sides of the aisle, depending on where they fall on some of these issues. So let me pause there. Do you think that that was a good introduction? Would you add anything to unpack what the intellectual dark web is? Yeah, I, I think that's a very good uh, introduction. And I was, I was laughing a little bit when you said against the grain, uh, because they certainly are against the grain for reasons you say. They're, they're sort of railing against the prevailing cultural waters that are, are really the, 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 the center of gravity of cultural waters. But as soon as you said it, I also said, yeah, and it's against the green. <laughs> it's, you know, it's, it's yeah. like, that's, if I, if I had to say what the dominant monadology of the IDW is, I think they're, they're all taking a, a f pretty fundamental yeah. anti-green position. Um, and, and that may be the, that may be the core thing that, that sort of binds them. Um, and, and I think the thing that we want to explore here is, is the ways that they're, you know, really doing that well and, and, and ways they're, they're, they're not doing that well. Because uh, the way I see it is they're, they're sort of, they're, they're kind of part of an anti-green vanguard. But what's, what I'm less convinced of is that they're really a post-green vanguard. I actually see them quite, uh, quite stuck in the very postmodern condition that actually gives rise to the fragmented media that they're taking advantage of to become these uh, sort of, you know, celebrities of, 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 of the new media. So I'll, I'll stop there. We'll get into a lot of this stuff. But, but that to me seems like the kind of the core center of gravity of what I see as, their, as the binding agent between all these folks. Yeah, and I, I would piggyback on that and say that, you know, um, in sort of further discussions about this, uh, and hopefully a little bit today, it, it, we can talk about the, some of the individual people and a lot of the dialogue I've followed in the integral community uh, to the extent on Facebook and online is which of these individual members are, as you say, coming from sort of integral perspective and challenging green and which may be coming from what we would call a more orange or modernist perspective and to a certain extent an amber or traditionalist perspective. And I think, you know, uh, the integral dark web as a moniker really captures, as you're saying, a group of people who are challenging green, but maybe from several different altitudes. And uh, it, it can be hard to sometimes parse which ones are really integrating green and, and then suggesting a move beyond versus who's uh, challenging green in a way to, uh, or with the effect of pushing us or trying to push us back in an evolutionary sense, although they wouldn't see it like that. Uh, they would see it as you know, green, is a, green is a mistake that we have to roll back rather than something to integrate and move beyond. So. Yes, I think there's a lot of integral discussion in here. Yeah, it's, I, I think I agree. So a lot of altitudes, I think, being enacted by them, and 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 probably uh, you know some some very very advanced thinkers, and then and then some 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 far less advanced thinkers in that regard. Um, what what also seems to bind them is a commitment to positivism. Uh, from what I can tell. And again, it's a diverse group of people. So it's, you know, we, we're not, you always run the risk of generalizing, but, but to the degree you want to pull out some common threads, I, I see, I see a, a sort of a commitment to positivism. And the thing that I find myself asking often is, have they really digested the very, very advanced critiques of the postmodern thinkers <laughs> Uh, both socially in critical theory and uh, in the philosophy of science, mm -hmm. it's very easy to create a caricature, the anti-realism uh, and, and, and a caricature of, mm -hmm. of, of some of what the anti-realist positions sound like. Um, but it's, it's, I think, much harder and frankly, much more intellectually, there, there's a lot, lot more intellectual integrity required to say, well, here's where they're right but perhaps partial. And the moment you ask that question is when you have to start integrating. And so 
I think you, you posed the exactly the right question, the one I've been asking myself as well, is which one of these folks are, are taking an anti-deconstructive position because they don't like deconstruction and they see it as anti-realist and they get lost in the claims to meaninglessness of deconstruction mm -hmm. and which ones are really actually looking for a reconstructive post-modernity. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's not clear to me that they're all on equal footing in terms of their philosophical foundation to actually do that. Yeah. And I think, you know, another way to put that in a way that I've been thinking about it uh, just recently is, a lot of it has to do with how they hold the notion of context that, you know, that they're, what we know and what we claim to know has something to do with our context and our sort of the way that we're situated in the universe. And certain uh, of these folks seem to grasp that context matters to some extent on certain questions and others seem to really hold the line on a kind of modernist objectivity that context doesn't matter. And there's just a sort of one particularly rational, as you would say, positive, positivistic way of approaching it. I think another way to say that context is also the question of identity mm. in terms of uh, racial, cultural, gender, uh, sexual orientation, how m should we uh, include an identity and then attempt to transcend and include it into a larger identity, or should we sort of dispense with identity almost as if to, to put it behind us that these local identities just end up in tribalism and so we need to jettison them so I see a lot of the folks in the intellectual dark web group uh, and, and I make a distinction between who seems to be able to hold identity and context, which would be the postmodern viewpoint and who wants to roll back those uh, and get rid of context and identity. And I think that's another way to sort of parse out or just another way to language what you were saying. Yeah, that's that's really well put. And the, the irony, I suppose, of this is is that, you know, some of these folks are actually evolutionary professors, evolutionary mm -hmm. biologists, and are deep into evolutionary arguments for mm -hmm. identity and for other aspects of of, of, of real, of real life and, and, and the natural world that we find. But again, it's far less clear how, wh whether they've wrestled with the evolution of the interior. So they've wrestled with the evolution of the exteriors and yet it's the evolution of the interiors that actually, when you start to lay that lens on top of a lot of their viewpoints, you start to get a radically different uh, sort of perspective of where those positions land. You can then make sense of a more evolutionary notion of identity, for example, or you can make sense of um, the, well, power relations and, and the way in which power relations look different at a traditional mode of, of interior enactment than they do at a modern mode or a postmodern mode. And so um, it's actually quite ironic to me that that they kind of don't. That, that I haven't seen a lot. I haven't seen any really uh, them deal with the the evolutionary aspect of the interiors, and yet to move from a from a deconstructive postmodernism to a reconstructive postmodern, at least if you follow uh, Ken Wilber's move, this was his claim, is you need to bring on at least that lens and and several more because it's the only way to sort of re-index. Uh, these normative claims. And so I, I often see them, be, you know, the IDW, I see them being uh, positivists, you know, sort of good positivists, good scientists, but they, but, but they often kind of like stick values off to the side as if the values don't exist. And yet, you know, philosophers just have devastated that, that, that move. I mean, Habermas devastated that move as, as positivism bring, brings all kinds of hidden value commitments mm -hmm in the back door that are, that are unseen. And so there's, there's all kinds of things going on here, I think, that are philosophically problem, problem, problematic and that Integral actually does a really good job to, to sort of, uh, you know, reframe and, and help them understand. 
Yeah, and I would say, you know, I, I'm recalling a recent Daily Evolver with Jeff Salzman that he did on, you know, talking about Jordan Peterson, who I think folks probably have heard of by now because he really is, uh, you know, his, his sort of presence is pretty stratospheric. He's the most important intellectual of, of the, of, uh, alive today by, by some. Yeah, and, I, and I, I actually don't know that I would quibble with that in the sense of the kind of uh, questions he's pressing on the culture. Indeed whether his answers are right. He's a, he's a wide, he's a, no, nobody can deny he's a widespread catalytic event. Yeah. But I think, you know, the, this question of interior evolution and whether the folks in the IDW have that frame, I've really listened to uh, most of these folks and some of them at, at real length. You know, I've listened to quite a bit of Jordan Peterson and, and Brett Weinstein and uh, as well as Sam Harris. And nobody really is using that internal developmental frame. It's interesting, Peterson actually is a, is a student or a, you know, of Piaget. Um, he really quotes or, or cites Piaget as a major influence. He teaches him, but he doesn't really talk in a developmental framework. And I even saw him challenged once specifically by somebody I think who, who knew Keegan and was talking about Keegan's orders of consciousness, this interior evolution. And Peterson really uh, passed sort of the orange and modern really didn't grant that there's too much interior development. So Jeff's point was that Peterson's lacking an internal developmental model, or at least not using it very robustly. And I would say that that's true pretty much across the, uh, the group, although I would say some of them may be in more intuitively integral, but they're not really using the stage model that we would use. And that, as you say, really frames up the need for uh, postmodernism or deconstruction before we can have a kind of more complete and integrated integral reconstruction. So yeah, yeah, so, yeah. I think that's I think that's I think it's a lovely way to say it. And what's implicit in that is that you can't, you know, wrestling with the evolutionary contradiction of each psychosocial philosophical stage is what acts as the fertile ground to propel you forward into resolving the contradiction and then and then moving into the next synthesis that is the emergence of the next structure and so what i what i wonder is whether to what degree by not really fully wrestling with the legitimacy of the deconstructive notions of a polyvocal, aperspectival, um, non-pre-given reality, sort, sort of the degree which, which, which rather than really wrestle with that on philosophical and psychological terms, and, and, and rather just sort of reject it politically, um, is actually stunting a, a move into like a higher synthesis of saying, actually, what would be the preconditions to, to start to reconstruct? Because you do then get into Keegan and Piaget and these other sorts of uh, questions about, okay, now we need a new kind of index to, to integrate. Otherwise, we're not integrating anything. Yeah, yeah. Although I was, you know, one of the things we, you and I talked a little bit offline is, you know, I, I have a particular theory as to what, why we need something like uh, the intellectual dark web and why the integration is really uh, has been hard for us to achieve. And I actually see that to a certain extent in the integral community. So for folks who might not know, um, you know, uh, you and I have probably been in the integral community something like the same amount of time, I would guess about 20 years or so. So we're coming up at uh, or beginning in the early aughts, yeah. um, and uh, you were at Integral Institute, and and um, and I was largely at JFK University, 
and uh, we helped, you and I were helped uh, organize the first integral theory conference and been through a couple of those in partnership with JFK and II. And so we really saw the community, the integral community, in as much as there's one when it really gathers, there's a sort of core group of folks doing different elements of integral things. And I've really tracked that group and it's been interesting to note that uh, a lot of this integration hasn't really happened from the integral group itself or they've struggled in my view to kind of get to a post green place in some of these cultural and social issues. Um, and the, the irony of that ha has really stuck with me is that Wilbur in Sex Ecology Spirituality, 1995, so he's really writing this from whatever, 1993, four, five, really produced an incredibly strong critique of Green and named a number of these trends. Um, and in some ways is uh, 20 years ahead of his time. I mean, I can only think of a few people at that time, maybe a figure like a, a Camille Paglia, who's mm -hmm. probably fits in the IDW, who are publishing around that time and really naming some of the problems with Green, some of the overreaches. And, and my theory about why uh, we've struggled, Integral has struggled and didn't take up the, uh, the sort of post-Green or, or take a more challenging stance that we now see the IDW folks take is because the, the orange um, on some of these issues was underdeveloped. Mm. It was underexpressed. And Wilbur did do this, but the culture really didn't. And I think probably the, the best example is on gender politics. So, you know, in, and this is some, an issue for folks who might follow some of my work know that I've thought a lot about, but Wilbur came out in 1995 and he sort of said, you know, from an evolutionary perspective, this idea that, you know, um, sort of the male half of society has completely oppressed the female half of society, and that's a, that's a great explanatory frame, he pointed out, no, that doesn't make sense what we know of in either physical evolution, and it also doesn't make sense from a more spiritual point of view in the sense that evolution has a meaning. And it's strange to say that sort of uh, God went off track for 10,000 years of the patriarchy. And what are we saying about men and women? You know, he really says, if this is true, then kind of men are, I think he says men are pigs or men are monsters and women are sheep if we're saying this. And this is all him in 1995. And yet the, the sort of rational objective frame that Wilbur was using to help scaffold that argument really got dropped in the culture and got, I think, overwhelmed by some of the green kind of uh, social construction, blank slate, everybody's just the same. It's all cultural, it's all social. And so it became very risky for people to do anything that tried to have this integrative sensibility and tried to challenge green because their orange wasn't there to sort of step into. And I think a lot of people in Integral kind of felt a forced choice, I would say, between green and orange. So they're either gonna try to be orange, which became the risky position because it really wasn't represented at, or you were going to do green and just go along with the progressivism and not challenge it. <clears throat> and I feel like that's basically what a lot of folks in Integral did. And I think that connects a little bit to the economics of it. We're seeing 
a lot of these folks in the intellectual dark web are having their jobs challenged just mm. because they're challenging green, even in you know ways that are really rational or academically sound. So what I see them doing is building up this orange again and sort of correcting something in the spiral. And when we have a healthier orange discussion, then I think it will be easier for folks to include a green and then integrate. But I guess I would say it, it, there's a reaction to a weakened orange that's been happening and a correction that needs to happen. I mean, Wilbur called his essay post-truth. Uh, you know, the Trump in a post-truth world, I think was the title, or that's close to it. And the post-truth is sort of not making room for this orange rationality and a lot of the IDW folks are really pressing, as you've said, on that and trying to build that up. But I don't think a lot of them see what would be the next step after that. Let me pause there. That was a lot. That's been my sitting theory for some time, uh, integral in, in this. Yeah, I can't help but think of, as you say that, I can't help but think of the nexus between the way media and the internet have changed our lives over, over the last three decades and the role of power. And I, of course, I've been speaking a lot about power the last six months and, and my thesis of, of the emergent power of green being fundamentally convening power or the way in which it reconnects people in amongst fragmentation, it reconnects people and sort of re-energizes diverse tribes that weren't there before. They may have been there, but they couldn't have connected. And so if you take, if you take, the 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 way in which media is fragmented and then you take um the internet and the fact we can exchange new perspectives in a really green a perspectival kind of way really differentiated and then you take the fact that that power was at the core of a lot of this stuff from the evolutionary stack the power was what it was and and, and yeah so you had to break apart some of the power stagnation of the institutional structures the universities the the hold that you know only a few big media companies have and now what you have is you have a group of people who are rebuilding their own power and autonomy and economic autonomy and audiences on a one-to-one -one basis well a one to one million basis on youtube or whatever but the cat's out of the bag because now those folks have their they have a new sense of uh sort of autonomy outside of the existing power structures. And of course, that's why I say this could only happen in green. <laughs> and, and they're trying to do it in order to uh, give themselves the foundation necessary to then address the very ills that they're seeing, of course, posed by green. Mm -hmm. Yep, I would agree. And I, I think, you know, uh, it's a good news, bad news situation. I mean, I think the power of the internet is that it gives people access in a way that they've never had to, uh, to seeing certain parts of their identity, to forming groups. It's sort of a great leveler in a particular way. And then it also, you know, aids in a kind of fragmentation. Uh, so it's, it really is the good news, bad news of green is that we can commune in a new way and in ways we never would have uh, pictured or imagined. And yet that sort of breaks up uh, the larger group uh, in a way that, you know, now there's no center. The center cannot hold uh, as it were. No, absolutely not. And that's, and that, and that, you know, what I've talked about a lot is the anomie that is, has been, you know, the sense of, of normlessness and, Mm -hmm. um, that has, has developed amongst our, 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 our former tribes, you know, uh, whether it be neighborhoods or the church or whatever. Now, now there's a sense of kind of normlessness pervading society in all these different levels, the sense of being alienated from one's neighbor, from a values point of view, the internet only exacerbates that to some degree. And of course it allows for recongealing as well. Um, but yeah, I find it fascinating that, that these folks are a rising, uh, uh, amidst the very uh, using the very technologies that are fragmenting they're actually also using them to try to create these new communities 
of meaning. But what, but what is, what's interesting is that they don't, well, I, that's actually not a fair thing to say. So in, in some instances, they are looking to their audiences and they're saying, look, go on the developmental journey. I mean, Peterson, I think, yeah. does this with his audience. And I think that's why he's tapped into such a real deep vein of discontent, yeah. um, particularly among men, although it's both men and women. But I'd say, you know, maybe a little bit of a bias to women or to, to men traditional men in particular, and, and basically giving them, I would say, the, uh, the, the sort of intellectual and moral cover to say you don't have to digest green in your self-system. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and for folks that are coming through at amber, and umber, you know, first and second stage amber and, and into individuating orange, and they haven't, maybe they've got there yet, maybe they haven't, but that's like mana. It's it's literally giving them protection for their self to develop without a fragmented sense of, uh, as you say, no center. Right? There's there's no no such thing as gender. There's you know the traditional values are out the window. Like all of that stuff's been pushed aside. And I think what Peterson is doing is acting as a heat shield for saying, actually, I'm going to protect you by making it okay for you to reclaim what is true at that level for you. And, and that's, I think of, you know, a, a hugely great service. Yeah. And I think, you know, Peterson's a really interesting character, you know, and why is he the most important? You know, I, I think as you're saying more than anybody who's listed as a part of that group or, or those thinkers is really trying to address the issue of meaning. Um, I mean, the, you know, a person like Sam Harris has a lot to say on certain elements of spirituality and such, but even he really doesn't uh, try to uh, sort of attack the problem of meaning or meaninglessness. And Peterson really sees that front and center. And, you know, it's a really interesting question about Peterson, which is, is it that he doesn't really see green or is it that he's got uh, an intense bias that it sort of occludes him? In other words, he's mm. capable of seeing it, but he's built up this bias that green only sort of heads in one direction and that's towards a kind of uh, dangerous form of socialism. Yeah. You know, I'm reminded of something, you know, that, uh, uh, Ken Wilbur said, you know, one's about Joseph Campbell. He sort of said, you know, Campbell couldn't see some things about how reason and myth needed to relate, not because Campbell wasn't, you know, a genius, but he just had a bias in his yep. way of seeing. And he couldn't see you needed reason to unlock myth. And so he would say, therefore, myth is higher than reason. And Wilbur would say, no, you need the reason to unlock these stories. But it was, it's, it's not that Campbell couldn't do it. It's that he just had a sort of a, a blind spot. And that's an interesting question about Peterson, because some of the things he says will sometimes really feel green or, or give a little room. But then you know, sort of in the next uh, passage, the next talk, he'll seem, as you say, to sort of really shut it down and say, you know, you can't really this, you can't really have these identities and it's only leading, you know, in one direction, which is to a kind of tribalism and so forth. Uh, But I do think effectively he is providing people this developmental sort of journey, particularly from the amber to the orange or into amber and, and maybe through to orange that they're not getting from other places. Uh, so I, you know, he's, he's addressing something that's gone missing in the culture, particularly I think for, as you say, younger people, maybe younger men are more sensitive to the loss, but I think a lot of people are. There's, there's less and less versions of healthy amber uh, and and then as a gateway then to healthy orange. Yeah, that's exactly right. I, I, I have a I have a sort of a pet theory. I'll, I'll get your take on it. Um, 
that, you know, what, what Peterson really reminds me of a lot is kind of a 21st century logotherapist. Mm-hmm. Um, he, you know, for, for those of you uh, listening, logotherapy came out of Viktor Frankl's uh, great psychologist, mid 20th century psychologist, and his experience in the concentration camps, an existential psychologist, and basically confronting the meaninglessness of of life and how does one find meaning in 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 extreme circumstances and then in ordinary circumstances and and logotherapy was was an attempt to wrestle with these questions and and I totally agree with you that that what what Jordan Peterson is really fundamentally doing is he's confronting the alienation of orange the alienation of modernity and the relativism of postmodernity of green and he's saying there is a way to 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 hold fast to to meaning that that life your life is meaningful and you can you can combat um what i think uh frankel's mass neurotic triad of of depression aggression and uh, what's the third one addiction and he's he's telling this to people saying you know responsibility forget rights pick up the rock like responsibilities is one of the ways you can find meaning and you can be existentially important in that moment to yourself carrying a freaking load and that's something that these these young excuse me these young men need to hear and of course the young women as well in in the early stages of of their development but i agree with you entirely that he seems to have a blind spot or at least a bias that that combines the the uh the the, almost the socio-historical circumstances of logotherapy and existential psychology which was coming out of the post-war period post-world war ii period nuclear annihilation and totalitarianism are very real realities and he also has kind of this totalitarian neuroticism within him that he kind of freely admits and i wonder if all of that hasn't created in him this just significant bias for in, in a way kind of the orange life conditions out of which all that grew uh and 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 so then it's being broadcast through his material and it is creating it's creating blind spots it's creating ways in which it's not you know it's not it's not able to integrate in in a several other dimensions that you know we could talk about uh through a, an integral lens yeah, and I think, you know, a couple of things I would add to that. I think, you know, part of my sympathy for Peterson uh, is because, or at least early on in my career, I came up through the university system. And when you're in that system, that sort of social uh, kind of laboratory, if you like, the problems of green and the alienations of uh, modernity and this sort of uh, prohibition against amber, all that stuff is so loud. Yeah, yeah. You really, really see it. And it's, it's not a, a surprise that most of the folks in the intellectual dark web um, have some deep relationship with academia, not to a person, but a lot of them have been in it. Uh, and I think Peterson, you know, and, and Weinstein probably the most, and it's interesting to hear them both come out of it. And even though their politics are actually somewhat different, they have uh, some conver- real converging critiques of, of some of what the university is like. And so I see Peterson challenging that, but I think in addition to the logo therapy, he's also retelling some of the stories from the great tradition. So he's revivifying the Jung and Campbell sort of ways of meaning making the hero's journey. So it's, it's not only how do you make meaning in a you know, sort of terrible situation, uh, Viktor Frankl, I think it's also what is the, you know, what can we gain from the world's wisdom traditions? And I don't know, but for me, when I think we were growing up, that was still okay. Um, I, I studied Campbell. I loved him. You know, I had exposure to spiritual traditions and they weren't being deconstructed from within, you know, uh, 
in the same way. And I feel like I got some real healthy amber because there were pockets of it that you could find, um, even in a modern context. And I'm not so sure that that's the case today. So if I, you know, if I imagine myself uh, being born in, you know, 1985, as opposed to 75, you know, that amber may then be deconstructed and, you know, even the spiritual traditions are not really pockets of amber anymore, don't convey some of that mythological grounding, which I think was very helpful, you know, in my identity growth and is things I still go back to and which people have had since time began, <laughs> as far yeah. as we know. So, you know, it's such a radical experiment to be in this alienated and deconstructive culture, whereas all of our ancestors would have been steeped in some kind of myth as a way to ground them. Mm. And, uh, you know, is that a bad thing? Is it a good thing? Uh, you know, it's probably a bit of both, but it's certainly a, a very intense social experiment. And I hear Peterson really raising that flag that uh, this is, this is a, at the very least, an incredibly risky way to proceed as a culture without the grounding in these stories and probably some of the norms and, and uh, kind of anchors they provide. Yeah, and I, and I think, I guess, you know, it's, it's both our political and normative position within the integral community, generally speaking, that the only way you get, the only way, the only way out is through, and you, you have to get to the spot where you can then reintegrate all of those levels of being within oneself, that you can't just sort of live without red, or you can't, you can't just ditch yeah. amber and, and, and pretend that doesn't exist, or green, and so the power of a genuinely integrative commitment to reality I mean, it is realist in that sense for you know even if you don't want to go to a pan interiorism or you don't want to think about the quadrants as having a sort of a strong claim ontologically you know leave that to the side they're still extraordinarily useful and and what we can see from evolutionary point of view is these things are in us so Question is, how do you reintegrate them and make room for all of them? And what I'd like to see the IDW do is get to that spot where they start to tell an evolutionary, a synoptic evolutionary integrative story, because I think they could be very powerful that way. And it also would take them into new philosophical territory and have them wrestle with new questions um, that I think their audience is going to have to wrestle with anyway, no matter what stage of the, of the journey they're at. Yeah, and it'll be interesting, you know, I've, I've done the thought experiment a lot, you know, uh, and had discussions, you know, what if some of these folks had studied integral? And, you know, the only person I, I can think of who I know has uh, read some Wilbur is Sam Harris. I think he, he lists Wilbur's books on sort of uh, his reading list, but uh, he doesn't you know, see things in, in those terms, doesn't talk about stages. As far as I know, Peterson has never read Integral um, and the other folks haven't as well. And so it would be interesting what it would take to introduce some of that evolutionary or developmental vertical growth logic that I think comes easy to us because we're in Integral, but you know, really unifies a lot of this material and answers a lot of questions. And I think, you know, you and I, as far as I can tell, share a certain frustration with, you know, the dialogue that's happening and that very few people seem to be able to, you know, take these positions and order them developmentally. So it causes people to really take a side yeah. um, in one or the other way. And, you know, you're, you're, uh, it, you're sort of cutting off one limb or you're cutting off the other and very few people are trying to say, well, you know, we need some measure of both and that there needs to be some balance. And I think the only way you can get a balance is to imagine um, that there's, you know, this third way. I, although I, I heard not 
to, uh, I heard recently Brett Weinstein and his wife, I think Heather Hying is how you pronounce her name, talking about the third way, sort of needing a third way between the pre-modern view, they were talking about gender and the post-modern view. So the pre-modern is all strict gender categories, everything's a role. The postmodern is it all comes apart. There's nothing that's a role. We need another way. But as far as I recall from the dialogue, they're not really able to articulate that there's this, you know, a, a transcending position that's integral. That's right. But they're looking into that sort of missing space and, and asking the question, we do need something that's different here to to bring the sides or to hold the kind of center that's that's uh, progressive as opposed to regressive. Which, I mean, I suppose if we look at it through our lens, you could say, well, okay, to the degree that IDW is, let's say, the leading edge of a mainstream kind of thinking, mm -hmm. uh, then basically the mainstream is just beginning to hit the, the limits of green. And, and, and we're, we're about to enter a world, which is, of course, my argument about the transformation age and the momentous leap over the next 20 years. And I don't think that's very controversial to those in our community. It kind of seems more or less obvious. But but we seem to be hitting the genuine evolutionary contradictory limits of green. And so now we've got this leading edge group who are now about to pop into teal and ask themselves you know, genuinely sort of meta-systematic integrative things because they have to. They simply can't stop their own development and it'll be the nature of the contradictions they're facing and then they'll have to wrestle with it. Back to the question about the integral community to put, you know, to now go back to your topic is, you know, what should the integral community do over the next, say, three, four, five years uh, that would act as a really powerful conveyor belt for that? I mean, one of the things that I've been on record many times as saying is we're dealing with very, um, we're dealing with very both complex territory that requires a high degree of integrity to, to handle it properly and a high degree of knowledge. Um, and I, I think that carries, you know, risks and rewards that are both great. And, um, and I've really wanted us to, to see us mature into that. Uh, but, but, you know, it may be time. It may be time to say, you know, kind of raise our hand in the broader culture, say, actually, we're here. Uh, mm -hmm. And we're going we're gonna to start, uh, you know, metaphorically, we're going to start throwing some punches rhetorically and other, other ways saying, look, there's a better way. Um, and we would challenge you to meet us on that ground, philosophically, psychologically, you know, practically, any way you want to, but we're here and um, we're going to start standing up. Yeah, and I, I think what I would say, you know, is uh, to have, you know, a position, you know, that I think uh, is of sort of gratitude that this, this kind of clash is happening and there are people stepping into these discussions. I think the the folks in the IDW are clearing some spaces that, uh, you know, are, it's heavy lifting or it's, you know, it's hard to yeah. clear. And so it creates a space where, you know, there's the possibility of, of including and yet offering maybe a next step. And I think, but that, what we need to include has to be specific and we can do that. And that's something that I think is really happening now is the arguments are getting more specific. In other words, you know, uh, people are coming up with some really specific or, or at least presencing some very specific uh, critiques of green gender mm. uh, approaches. And so it's not just saying in a general way, which can always be the, the liability with integral, you know, is we can sort of take the step, you know, or the view from 50,000 feet and say, well, there's green and there's, you know, uh, turquoise or, you know, uh, a green teal turquoise or green yellow, whatever colors we're using. And these steps are there, but we can lack the specificity of, you know, we, and not say it exact enough and not really get to the nitty gritty. And I think so if I, I, what I would like to see Integral do is kind of be able to use some of these arguments and debates that are happening um, and then use them as a way to leverage into next steps. So, you know, there was a recent uh, debate 
with uh, Michael Eric Dyson, who's a well-known commentator on race issues. And he had what he was debating with Jordan Peterson as one of the other folks on the stage. I mean, that really is uh, an incredible opportunity for integralists to come in and be able to try to describe the differences that are happening there and some of the tensions and then say, okay, is there a way to integrate some of this? So I think hopefully, and my hope is that integralists will step into the space and use what's happening now to, to present some of these next steps and that there'll be enough people to hear it um, you know, as we're challenging green as the you know, evolutionary edge and making teal really a more obtainable, you know, available uh, edge. Is yeah, that that's really that's really well said. And I, I it almost brings to mind a, a an idea I had maybe six seven years ago, sort of like an integral speakers bureau, like like a like a genuine maybe 10, 20 people, um, all of who are are ex generalist experts in integral meta theory itself and integrative meta theories more broadly. You know, not just Wilbur, but maybe Baskar and some others. But but beyond that you know, specialists in their own field and, and, and actually it lives within them in such a, such a mature way that, that they can, you know, be good communicators. And of course that's, that is really a tough thing. I mean, anybody, as you just said, it's like to really give, give credence to the move past the a perspectivalism requires a real sensitivity to the context of, of something you're discussing, like okay, well, how do we want to look at this? It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a meta object, and and so, do you want me to approach it from a rational point of view, or do we want to, do we want to interrogate its interiors, or do we want to think about our exterior experience of it, or do we want to think about it as a complex system, or 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 dynamical system, or you know, or or so you have all these different ways of interrogating and discussing this complex reality. And of course, that feels really cumbersome in today's media environment where it's like, oh, here we are, you know, we got a 12 minute, you know, a 12 minute between the break snip that we got to edit down. And, and I think that's the thing is that it's almost like what's the integral version of YouTube that allows us to look at these meta objects. And that's actually what I've thought about as, a, as an entrepreneur and as a social entrepreneur, I've thought, and also sort of a, one of the leaders in the integral movement, I said, what we need is actually enabling technologies from Teal that take these meta objects and make them obvious to you. So it doesn't sort of matter more or less where you are in your own understanding. You can just experience it and go, wow, that's, I'm already getting the nuance and the complexity and it's challenging me no matter which perspective I take. And there may be a way to sort of, that's creating the integrative pedagogy in itself. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's the, Although I think, you know, there's been a lot of, it's really interesting, there's been a lot of progress, I think, in the integral community over the time I've been through it, in that the integral community, uh, which used to be very centralized, I would think, you know, centralized around, you know, II, centralized, you know, to a certain extent in the Bay Area, has also had kind of a bit of a diaspora, and with all these different folks developing their own approaches to integral in specific professions or specific topics and really experimenting with different languages, sticky concepts, see what holds. And, you know, my hope or my thought has been, this is good because this is experimentations with ways to communicate and to see what catches people and how to break through some of the noise you know, in, and offer some integral teal perspectives. Um, and I think that experiment will be ongoing for a long time, but uh, I think it's the right one to be asking and the role that technology can play. Obviously, there isn't, there isn't anything communicative these days that isn't also technological. Yeah, that's right. So uh, I, I think it's the right set of questions and, and hopefully we'll be able to step into that space. And I, I love the idea of, you know, an integral speakers bureau. And I, I can think of a lot of the people I would want and invite to that because I've seen them before in other contexts really bring the message home. So Rob, should we try to take just one or two quick comments? Is that 
Yeah, I, uh, I, I, I will, you know, if there are any comments or questions, um, here's a comment from, uh, I think if I'm pronouncing it right, Lilac, basically saying that um, if I'm interpreting it correctly, the importance of Integral dealing with the detailed, nitty gritty problems as we find it in the real world. Uh, and I, you know, I think that's right. I often say to people, you can't get a good integral answer if you don't ask a good integral question, meaning, you know, how do you want to approach this reality? And it's not just, I mean, you can say, well, just approach it integrally. Fine. Okay. How long do you have? Cause we're going to, we're going to have to unpack it from an integral methodological pluralistic kind of way. We're going to unpack this in a bunch of different ways and, and they're all valid and they'll all have different contributions. That doesn't mean they're all equally important, but, but so, but, but I agree, like getting into an actual concrete situation and solving it uh, or, or, or helping to contribute to it is really the work to be done. Uh, and, and of course, you, you know, you and, and many of our friends, Mark, are doing some wonderful work around the world in, in, in doing that. But, but I know, and you as well, that they always experience the drag coefficient of people wanting sort of simpler faster, more expedient answers in these wicked problems. So they, they sort of downcode the problem into, into, you know, uh, amber, into orange, mm -hmm. into unilinearity, et cetera. So uh, I, I think that's our role. And I think, you know, people are doing great work in it, but there's, um, but there, but there's certainly a lot of, um, you know, forces that resist that. Yeah. And I, you know, I would say, you know, in the good news side, you know, pretty much, you can Google integral blank and there's somebody who will have written a book about it at that high level of detail, integral ecology, integral leadership, <clears throat> integral psychotherapy, uh, books related to global warming. You know, it's, it's, there's really a lot that's been done. And, you know, we, you know, uh, even when we boil integral down to the simplest thing, quadrants, levels, lines, states, and types still takes a little bit of time to talk yeah. about that. I mean, I don't think, I think, you know, uh, th that five element, just those five words are probably the most incredible just intellectual achievement to boil something down to something that fast and that really covers in the broad strokes any issue. But you know, you still need to have that detailed conversation, how do quadrants apply, how do levels apply, lines, states, and types. So there's still some work there. So, you know, how do we even sort of uh, increase the ability to, or tighten that message down into some gateway stuff that gets people into the integral world and then allows them to kind of hook up with some of the more complex meta meta perspectives that I think have been put out there. Yeah, that's, that's a good, that's a good point. Um, people ask me, how do I make integral work in the real world? I said, well, integral works on you. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you, you start to learn it, it becomes psychoactive as we all know, and it works on you. You're the one that changes. You're the one that becomes the instrument of, consciousness and as i said a few months ago cosmic integrity like you walk into the room and you're able to hold more on behalf of everybody in the room and there's a there's a love and a compassion and a strength and a wisdom and a clarity that people feel there that is itself liberating uh and that's an extraordinary it's an extraordinary thing so i'll give you the last i'll give you the last word here and uh, then we'll close on the on the hour I, you know, first of all, I would just say this has been great to chat, uh, given up, uh, us a chance to have a chat that I've wanted to have for a long time. And hopefully people listening have connected to it and can see, uh, you know, uh, some of the cultural trends and get a little more of an integral perspective on it. I just hope this dialogue would continue. I think as, as I was saying before the this intellectual dark web has opened up some spaces to have some conversations that were a lot harder to have uh, even a couple of years ago. And I think, you know, my hope is that uh, that all of us involved in integral can continue on and and make our contributions and piggyback on these this cultural movement to, uh, you know, make a bigger impact.
um, a bigger and better impact going yeah, forward. Yeah, absolutely. Well said. Thank you for for joining me. And I will I will close by amending what Lilac said before because she re reposted a comment here that said that the intellectual dark web is is making us the integralists, you know, deal with some of the conversations we've dealt with at a distance, and, and now we're now we're in it, and uh, and I think that's a really good point, uh, and that is what's being called of us. So uh, thank you to everybody who tuned in to listen. Keep up all the fantastic work. Uh, we're here as always. If you want to reach out to us, give us feedback, and thank you to Dr. Mark Foreman. It's been wonderful to talk to you as usual. Great, thank you, Rob. Right, thanks a lot. Bye, bye, guys.